filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Gentlemen, cheers. You know what time it is. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I am too old for shots, no. guys. No, thank you. This bit is, is something I regret. <laughs> uh, I think I came up with it. Yeah, I regret the fact that you did. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Straight Shots podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. I just did a shot of old Overholt rye. Uh, oh, you did, so, Jason you, Anderson. You drank something good. The uh, part of this old is, Overholt it's not is supposed not to be very good. good. It's just not bad. <laughs> Incorrect, sir. Over old Overholt is perfectly, perfectly it's, cromulent. It's cromulent. It's not yes. good. It's you cromulent. Need to go one step lower than I don't know. The thing is, you might not have a, an option. You, you might have been Man, like, oh, Adam's, too, have, Adam's too fancy for straight shots. Wait, I have gut rot below oh. that. I was not I'm not at gut rot yet. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. The season's so, um, mostly been good. We're not at we don't have to go to yeah. gut rot levels yet. Yeah. I get it. I'll accept that. We'll see what happens in the next week, but Yeah. Um yeah, I wasn't ready to go there. Anyway, I'm joined by Jason Anderson who just did a shot of uh Tanqueray gin uh that was not chilled, so it's just gin. Don't do shots of gin. No. Don't. <laughs> I'm also joined by Ben Bromley who himself did a shot of well between us jason we have a martini because i did a <laughs> shot of a uh, dry vermouth wow wow that is um i've never I, heard I, of a shot of dry vermouth it's, i would like it's literally the only uh thing that wasn't beer that we have in our house <laughs> i i would like to recommend everyone uh to listen to the paul f tompkins character al a peterson um, there's a character involved in that character's backstory that is a vermouth drinker uh, and only drinks vermouth. Um, you can find there's like a supercut of just Allie Peterson's comedy bang bang appearances in which uh, Scott Aukerman requests that he re-explain the backstory every single time because he finds it so funny that he makes him go through it again. And it's like eight appearances on the show uh, in which every single time he has to re represent uh, the background of part of his story that involves this vermouth alcoholic. Um, Is that, this uh, character influenced at all by Andy McDowell in Groundhog Day? Uh, no, this is a character who decided to fake alopecia to get out of a long-term relationship. Um, that so is George the basis Costanza of type is what you're saying. Yes, yes a Costanza type that <laughs> it has in their background someone else who uh, only who is a, an alcoholic only on vermouth. Um, which is a terrible idea. Don't do that. Vermouthaholic. Either. Don't drink straight vermouth. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever done that, and I've done a lot of stupid things. Uh, ben, I'm impressed. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are your Motley crew from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, among other things. Uh, we have the unique displeasure this week of talking about DC United's last week, uh, which involved a home loss to 
the now supporter shield clinched uh, New England Revolution and a road shellacking to NYCFC. Uh, later in the show, we are going to talk about DC United's upcoming visit from the Red Bulls for the Atlantic Cup. Uh, that'll be Wednesday night, not on TV in English, but on you can stream it online in English and watch it on TV in Spanish, but uh, never the twain shall meet. Before we do anything, though, Ben, are you drinking anything else tonight or is it just the, the shot of vermouth? No, I am drinking an actual beer tonight. I am drinking... Um... Devil's Backbones, Loved by the Sun. It's a peach mango beer that was uh, kind of like my last vestige of summer. I think I bought the, the, it was a mix pack that I bought in September. So it was probably like the last of the summer mix packs that they had. Uh, It's pretty good. It's a nice, easy drinker. Uh, I like Devil's Backbone. I like uh, going out to their, to their location. I like their beers. It's It's a nice location they have out there in the mountains. How about you, Jason? Uh, I have uh, some Cazadores Blanco on the rocks, uh, which is a civilized uh, way to drink your alcohol rather than room temperature gin. Yes. Which again, don't. Don't recommend it. Um, I've got a Boulevardier, which is like um, a, it's like the surprisingly, well, not I won't even say surprisingly. It's the beautiful bastard child of a Manhattan and a Negroni. Mm-hmm. And it's real tasty. So I've been drinking those the last week or so. Underrated cocktail. It is. And it's super simple. It's like equal parts whiskey, Campari, or in this case, um, Capitoline's Tiber from here in the district and sweet vermouth. (laughs) Vermouth again. Vermouth strikes again. Hmm. I'd rather drink sweet vermouth straight than dry vermouth. That is what Andy McDowell drank in Groundhog Day, if I remember correctly. I mean, I feel like we're in Groundhog Day because now that's the second time you've brought up Andy McDowell. Only in reference to this bit. (laughs) Um, I guess, you know, (laughs) we have the option now to talk about soccer. Or or just vermouth. Or we can continue talking about vermouth. (laughs) There are any number of other things we can talk about. Can I can I start with my my uh, feelings about DC United's defense? Uh, yeah, I, I guess if we have to talk about soccer, we'll, we'll have yeah to we start do somewhere. And I wrote this for a uh, piece that hopefully I'll be publishing in actual on the actual website in the future. But I think part of part of what we're seeing in these past couple of games is the fact that um, DC United has a fairly good. Uh, to to actually good starting back line. Uh, but when injuries or rotation need to happen, uh, Hernan Losada and Lucy Rushton weren't able to like fully create the the uh, team that they want. They did they had to accept a lot of players that were already here. And I think the backup defenders that are here, aren't quite ready or, or don't fit Lasada's system in a number of ways. I think we saw over multiple games that Joseph Mora doesn't, isn't a, a Lasada system wingback. Uh, there were defensive lap, lapses left and right, and he just doesn't get into the attack the way the Lasada system requires of its wingbacks. He had like one like good ball from the back to, uh, I think, I can't remember which forward it was, but he sprung an attack with a 
good long ball, but that was basically the sum total of his offensive contributions. Uh, I think Donovan Pines is has a lot of potential. He's a physical specimen. He's very fast. He's got uh, good feet sometimes, and then when he when it doesn't work for him, it doesn't work spectacularly, and bad things happen. And so, the long and the short of it to me is like, hopefully, in the off season when Rushton and Losada have time to. Uh, continue to build out the scene, really have the first window where they're able to do anything because they didn't really do much except sign Alfaro over the summer. Hopefully the defense is where they're going to concentrate. Well, I think we ought, we pretty clearly need some reinforcements in the attack too. Um, well, yes. I mean, it it's not every day that your top three creative players are going to be hurt at the same time for an extended period. Like that's not a super common occurrence, but that's where united are right now um on the defense though it's almost in my mind it's almost less personnel and more adjusting to the style and the the fitness demands and 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 all that because you think back under ben olsen the team's defensive approach was about defending the box first and foremost you don't let them get shots in the box that was that was the emphasis one, two, and three uh, under Olsen. With Osada, it's it's defending, it's disrupting the buildup is the number one thing. Whether that's pressing the goalkeeper or the the D mid for the other team, it's it's not letting them get into that approach. And we've seen some in- instances where they get into transition and the team's in trouble. But against New England, especially, we saw when the ball got in the box, the players weren't quite. They didn't have it. We saw it against Atlanta too. Um, there, when, when a skilled player gets on the ball in the box, United kind of they they look like they're on roller skates all of a sudden. Um, they get a little jumpy. And it was they, the same. And it was the same against the, for the first goal against uh, NYCFC before they had completely lost all confidence. Well, in no, that that one was a transition goal. That wasn't somebody on the ball in the box. That was. That was a cascading uh, series of overlaps that forced more and more players to come wide, and then Joseph Mora didn't track Andrade the way he should have. Um, so that one, that one was a more of a transition issue for me than a defending the box in this sense. But they're both problems right now on the defensive if you, side. If you want to identify a defending the box goal from the NYCFC game, you have to go with the fifth goal, the, the Callens goal. Um, which is a recycled free kick. Um, so for me, at least, that's still set-piece defending, which we've brought up not too long ago. Um, and this this is, you know, a goal that shouldn't have it. And it's an easy one. for Con- If anything, the only thing he had to really do that was difficult was the delivery wasn't where he needed it. Um, he got a free run at the ball. He just had to sort of lay out sideways to get his head on it. Um, it wasn't that he was marked or prevented from mm-hmm. taking a good run at the ball. It's at the service wasn't quite that great and he made it into a goal anyway um but that's you know a guy getting wide open in the box um i I don't necessarily attribute the revs goals as much to that um especially the buxa goal as a side note i think buxa won like player of the week and i I thought yeah that real pedestrian that that goal was just it was a ball the ball hit mora and went to book so it wasn't going to be across to him at all it clipped him and changed uh, trajectory entirely um but in any case 
I have a little side beef about just in general, it seemed like people didn't pay attention to that game where I think the story of that game was Andrew Farrell and the designated players for the Revs burying three mm-hmm. good chances. Um, but in any case, um, I think one of the big stories here is just the fatigue factor. You know, Burnbaum mm-hmm. played three games, uh, 270 minutes all the way through. Um, Pines probably, if this NYCFC game had been close, he probably would have joined him. Uh, that that quintuple sub at halftime uh, is probably only done with a like, okay, what what can we do here to um, adjust to the reality of this game? Who is the most fatigued? Um, who's got a knock? That kind of thing. Um, Losada said he wanted to switch to a four three three at that point. I think some of it was, look, this is effectively a training session. You know, down like they gave up that fourth goal right at halftime. Uh, not three minutes after I tweeted from the site account that if DC could, could, if they're going to come back, they had to maybe get one before halftime, but definitely only go in at three, nothing. And then they gave up a fourth. Um, But yeah, um, some of this is fatigue. um, And some of it is, is definitely hitting a little bit of a ceiling when we get into the depth. Um, I think Tony Alfaro is, is fine. If he's the left center back backing up pines, um, when everyone's healthy, but obviously everyone's not healthy right now. Um, right. And, and I think there's a little fatigue there. Um, Burnbaum certainly looked fatigued in the first half and especially in the second half where, you know, he's trying his best, but like there's not adequate support. The team had kind of for the first time all season looked, they weren't giving up by any means, but they looked a little defeated, um, which is hard not to. I mean, it's, the score line is the score line. It's if it's, you're down five, nothing, um, in a, in a game that was a big game, um, five, nothing doesn't go away. You can't pretend it's not there. Um, so yeah, th- there's a, a mix of things at the back. Um, it certainly wasn't a good couple of games for Mora. Um, that first goal, um, as much as, you know, there were several problems, uh, Russell Canals goes in for a tackle that normally he wins every time and just didn't come up with the ball. Um, I do think it's interesting that first goal, because if you, if you told me that DC was going to start the game the way they did, and I mean literally start the game, first 15 seconds on the road, they kick off and they generate a crossing opportunity for Julian Gressel, um, which is what DC United wants to do more than anything else. And playing on that that playing surface, the the narrow confines at Yankee Stadium, it's actually harder to do that there than just about anyone else, anywhere else. And yet they had something in mind. They engineered a crossing opportunity for Gressel his cross ends up being claimed by Sean Johnson and what 10 seconds later, it's a goal. Um, but yeah. Um, if you told me that the start of the game was going to be DC is going to generate a cross for Julian Gressel, I'd be like, well, that bodes well for the whole game. Um, right. It's just that what followed it immediately is not getting into a defensive shape fast enough, which unfortunately I think that's happened in every meeting with NYCFC this season, Mm -hmm. including going back to the preseason. Um, that's happened at some point where they've been able to go faster than DC can go uh, mentally. They're able to think their way into the transition phase at a higher clip. Um, And some of that is who's available, right? This was a very strong lineup for them. DC's missing players. Like we just talked about. Um, So that's some of the fatigue affects your mind too. Like it's not just your body. It's slows your thinking. They're playing with only two up front, so it changes the shift of of who's supposed to be where in those moments. It slows you down. Um, but yeah, normally you would expect DC to have 
gotten into a shape better than that and not allowed like the the Mora not knowing where Tiago Andrade is normally you wouldn't even have that happen we wouldn't have encountered that specific uh sequence um but DC just wasn't able to transition fast enough maybe they weren't ready to have to transition that fast that quickly to have that sort of emergency level situation uh that early in the game um but yeah it's between the two games like the Revs game DC controlled most of that game if Mm -hmm. the difference was the top three players for the Revs are designated players worth millions of dollars doing what those guys are paid to do and DC's equivalent of that was not in uniform none of the guys at DC have that are in that that class were in uniform and arguably DC doesn't have anyone in that class um right Flores has not right performed up to right he's not carlos heel yet yeah Fl- flores is this year has, nobody in mls is carlos heel well yeah but 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 is he gustavo Bo or adam buxa either and i feel like it's no. fair to say no um and you know flores i think is a good player and if he were on a tam contract i don't think any of us would have too much of a problem with how it's gone but dc is not a team that's good enough that they can afford their highest paid player to be that level right now and the revs are kind of the exact blueprint of what the difference is because DC's played them close twice and then outplayed them for about 70 minutes of 90 and yet has come up with three losses. Um, and you, it's a, you get what you pay for thing. Um, those guys won the game and that's what they're, I mean, it, it's so simple what the revs are doing. This is the Bruce arena philosophy writ large. It's I'm going to set up these you know, excellent, like my best players are going to be set up to do what they do best. And everyone else's job is to make, allow them to do that. Um, And it's not complicated. It's just that they've, they, they nailed three signings. Um, And DC not only hasn't necessarily nailed their biggest signings to that level. um, They don't have an MVP candidate or a best 11 candidate uh, in their attack outside of Ola Kamara, um, who, would only be there if he wins the golden boot. Like if he misses the golden boot by one, he will not get a single best 11 vote from anyone, Um, which is not really fair, but that's the way the voting will go. I anticipate. Um, But yeah, that game is one thing. Like that's a game where it's like, you know, if we just spend a little more money, I don't think the game, any of the revs games play out the way they do. The NYCFC game is the one where it's such an outlier. That's tempting to be like, let's box this one up and never think about it again. But it's also at this point in the year, kind of out of the blue for it to be that bad um, on the night. Um, And some of it is NYCFC. I think them getting that first minute goal, given their recent struggles was like just everything. It was one of those, like, Oh, I'm so unburdened. Yeah. I feel, I feel so good about how this is going to go for me. And then DC compounded it with, you know, the second goal is a, a, a missed clearance that Hamid, if, if we did that a thousand times, like oh, 995 yeah. of them don't go anywhere near Castellanos. Um, right. And that's, then that's the, when the wheels, how many times that's when the wheels came times? off for the rest of the night. Yeah. Well, I mean, really it, it was, it was okay until the turf monster ate Steven Birnbaum's cleats. Right. And then like, that's not a bad well, pass too. by Pines. It's not a mental error by Birnbaum. His feet just got stuck on the ground. And it's it's the looked. Steven Gerrard play. Um, it, it's yeah. it's the Steven Gerrard thing from a couple of years ago, and it's the yeah. same thing where um, it did seem like uh, DC had a couple players slip. Um, 
I, I'm not a uh, check your studs truther. I think players know a hell of a lot more than any of us do about what studs to wear on a given surface. So I'm never the guy that says that, but it was just a rough night in terms of if someone's going to slip, it seemed like it was a DC player that slipped mm-hmm. um, over and over again. Um, but yeah, it, it's those two errors slash misfortunes happening in, I mean, those are two of the like worst goals DC's given up all year and they happen in a four minute span um, in a game where you've already given up a first minute goal. That's kind of like, it's not your night. That's the, the fates yeah. have said your night it, tonight's bad for you. Um, and if you can get out, that's of here the, no yep, one... you're cursed yeah. I mean, happening and, at Yankee stadium, especially. Yep. Yes. You're cursed. So, so the fact that they got out of there with no one picking up any obvious uh, injuries, uh, I would count that almost as a positive given the way that game <laughs> went to hell. Um, I will say I, I actually do credit the coaching staff for being like, let's make five subs. There's no, there's nothing, yeah. there's no point in us not like, what are we holding? There's nothing left. Yeah. Um, making those subs to give, you know, Gressel, Gressel would have been, Gressel had played every minute of the week up until he came out. Kamara was almost there. Um, Paredes, we've seen him have knocks, you know, this mm-hmm. season. Canals left the New England game. He took a knee. Um, and came out and went straight to the locker room. So when he wasn't on the injury report for NYCFC, I was like, oh, that's good news, just like with Hamid. Um, so all of these guys have a reason to be subbed out for precautionary measures. Um, so I give credit to the coaching staff for accepting. Sometimes you have to accept that it's the cause, cause is lost. Um, and for saying, you know, as Losada said, he framed it from a very positive perspective. He said, these the other players have been earning their minutes and there's only 11 players. So this was a chance for me to give them those minutes that they've earned. Um, But it is also a like, look, Wednesday is now an incredibly important game. And if we leave these guys in, in a four, nothing game, all we're doing is draining their energy for Wednesday. There's, it's just a dumb thing to do. Um, So if he could uh, sub out more players, he probably would have. Yeah. (laughs) um, When it's, when the game is, is cursed to that extent, uh, you do have to self-examine. Uh, I'm sure that DC will. The, the energy coming out of the post game was definitely like, we know we're better than this. We've got a whole season's evidence saying we're better than this. We're going to kind of box this one up and, and not let it, like, as Felipe said, like six times, we're not going to let this define our season. He, he said it a bunch of times and then he tweeted it afterwards uh, just for emphasis, <laughs> um, which is the, it's the only approach you can take. Um, because this is a result that is bad enough that it can bleed into future games. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Especially first... since they come so fast. Like, yes. And we've been complaining about it for <sighs> months, it seems like. But the schedule makers did nobody any favors. And yes. uh, combined with some, I'm going to say, unscrupulous national team managers breaking our best attacking players. <sighs> um, I'm... I'm like I understand people being mad at Greg Berhalter because they don't like who he calls in or whatever. I'm mad that he plays so much. He played Paul Ariola so much, but for a completely different reason. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot of USMNT people are mad because they don't rate Ariola, and right. they're mad that Berhalter does. And I'm just mad because wrong. there's no yeah. reason for him to try to start Ariola in three straight games, three especially straight when games. he was gassed in the second yes. one. Three right. games in a week. What the hell are you doing, Greg? Only we. Like, only we can do that. Even <laughs> then, like even then, sub him. Don't play him ninety well, minutes, and then well, start and also him the even next... then, DC hasn't done that uh, for the right. most part, especially to attackers. Um, Losada yeah. has been like, yes, Gressel has played a ton, 
Um, and Birnbaum, since he come back, has played a ton. Um, but like attacking players, at least he's been like, no, I need to rotate these guys. Like uh, I'm holding uh, Flores out entirely at the um, the September international window. When they came back, it wasn't even like, we'll put you in uniform. Maybe you play 10 minutes max. It was a like, you have the night off. Uh, watch the game or or even just stay home and go to sleep early. Like go recover, get in the recovery, recover, recover, recover. With the um, water yeah. running. And and that's that was a major theme of the post game as well, was just like physically recover. Um, because I think the team was, you know, Losada more or less said part of the reason this game went the way it did was there's just too many guys who are playing, playing beat up because this is all there is. Uh, he said every single player that wasn't on the trip was injured um, was what he said after the game, which, you know, That's there were some Assad, right. There were some, uh, I mean, maybe uh. he does have a knock that, that the team is not satisfied with where it's going. I don't know. That's a weird situation for sure. Um, right. You, that if, if he had 10 minutes think... in his legs, you don't dress Chris sites. Right. Uh, maybe you right, take you sites think... along because you're worried about a pregame fitness test for Hamid, but you also would take Assad and be like, okay, Bill's ready to go, so we don't need a third goalkeeper. And like a lot of people have said, you would think that uh, Losada would rate uh, Demir Losada. You'd think he'd be a good fit in a number of positions for uh, Losada's system, and he's just been buried this whole, basically this whole season. So there must be some reason that nobody has yet been able to to uh, unearth that Losada has just uh, completely completely buried Assad. I don't know if it's fitness or personality or fit or who knows. Yeah, I don't uh, know. So, something feels like it's up for sure. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, uh, I think Steve Goff asked specifically about Assad after the New England mm-hmm. game and the response was a very was a was an uncharacteristically frosty um, he, he wasn't in the, he wasn't in the squad tonight. It was yeah. just one of those. Um, and then he wasn't even in the squad for the next game. And, you know, we're talking about dressing multiple goalkeepers and, you know, as, as Lozada said, if everybody else is also injured, if, if you took literally the only t- healthy 20 players on the entire team, um, the injury report doesn't reflect that is what I would say. Yes. Um, because, Especially you know, Andy Nahar being left off. That's an undisclosed right. injury, and he's been out for the last two games. And Which maybe he picked up something from overuse. You know, maybe maybe playing him in that uh, Nashville game for the first half was a bridge too far. Um, the team hasn't wanted to say what's happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Brendan Heinz-Eich was in uniform for this game, too, and we have to assume that he was not fit to play more than 10, 15 minutes at the very most. Um, yeah. He was technically listed as out. He was mm-hmm. in uniform after being listed as out, which, which by the way, for, for the conspiratorial uh, inclined, uh, if you're, if you're inclined that way, a team can list a player as out and then put them in uniform. Like the injury report is totally non-binding. Um, it may irritate all of us, but the teams can lie on the injury report. I, I think MLS, yes. if they find that you have lied, they might quietly fine you. Um, but right. I have never heard of them even doing that. Like you don't, this is one to, of those things that you can list everyone as out. And then show up with guys. It's, it's yeah. not a thing. Don't give don't give Bruce Arena more ideas. It's a it's a it's a it's a list of it's like a guidelines list rather than a, a hard list. If someone's on the injury report as out, 
they could start and play 90 minutes. There's nothing stopping teams from doing it. The injury report is a big deal in American sports because of gambling. Yes. And until the bookies and the the gambling audience is big enough to make MLS enforce proper injury report rules, which is nice for people like us who like information, um, but it's much more important to gamblers. Um, It's not going to happen. It's going to be nonsense until then. I I am fine with it being nonsense because I don't want to give the the bookies this kind of win. I'm good with the remaining nonsense. Yeah, that's I mean that's a that's a reasonable and, position. I won't and the lie. teams the teams have a competitive reason to not want people to know. Yeah, um, like a lot of the times a coach and we've experienced this with Losada ha- has a couple of times this season said one thing and done another. Ben Olson over the yeah. years would say one thing and do another. And it's not because they're like, I would love to go out and lie to the reporters. It's because there's a competitive reason to misinform the opposition. Um, DC United with Andy Nahar, as we've talked about at length, is a massively different proposition from DC United without him. Um, So you want the other team to have to worry about it. Um, And so you would be like, oh, no, he's he's doing great. Um, and then you leave him out and it's a surprise. Um, and you let them have one hour before kickoff to think about it rather than having days of, of pregame prep to think about it. So, um, yeah, that's just one more aspect of this one, but like some of it really is a, um, a situation where DC had a cursed night on the same night at NYCFC had the dam break, um, and, and had all of their players, you know, everyone's a 10 out of 10 for the, for the game for once. Sean Johnson kept uh, DC could have scored two or three goals in this game. if not for Sean Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately making some big saves. It's just that one little uh, extra irritation is that as badly as this game went, they could have at least scored some goals. And yet here's Sean Johnson producing big saves when he has to. So um, meanwhile, Bill Hamid is playing injured and not making, making mistakes and not making the saves that you might. Expect I, I don't know. To. I, I, I would say that Hamid also made like, in that in the as that game wore on when DC's fatigue and and kind of the mental the lack the loss of enthusiasm because the game's going the way it's going and everyone knows it's gone that way Hamid made four or five really good saves that kept this from being that's worse true. that's um, true that's true yeah it's it's unfortunate that he got kind of and any goalkeeper in this situation when the team in front of you just doesn't have the legs um and and has lost that um that that last 1% that differentiates a team that's competing at their best versus just competing. Um, and so he ended up really kind of hung out to dry. Um, so uh, if anything, that's one more positive here is that it he didn't look like someone outside of the goal kicks where he just wasn't taking them. He didn't mm-hmm. look like someone who couldn't handle the goalkeeping side of things with whatever, whatever's happened to his hamstring. Yeah. He could still make the saves. He probably won't be taking goal kicks on Wednesday. I don't expect him to do any of that again which we'll get into in the next segment, but it might be an issue. Um, but at least at least in this game, I know there were some suspicions from the Revs game. People were saying some people at least were like a little dubious about his ability to get after the ball. Um, I think there was only one one moment in that Revs game that set an alarm for me. It was when he 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 didn't get out jumped by Tejon Buchanan. He jumped awkwardly and didn't get the ball while his hands were up. Right. Um, Which ended up being 
I think the Rev's highest XG moment yes. of the, yes. the, the and, game. And, and that was not physical discomfort so much as uncertainty. It was the, the injury puts question marks in your head right. and you make mistakes because of that. And in the second game of these, he didn't have that hanging over his head. I don't think the misclearance was a, I'm worried about my hamstring thing. It was a literally, he just scuffed the ball. Um, yeah. He came out to try and, and strike the ball and he scuffed it. Um, I don't think it was a worry about an injury problem. So, you know, he's not fully healthy, obviously, but he's not so healthy that I think he's going to miss these games coming up unless something else happens. But right now, I think he's going to be involved. It's just, you know, DC's had some hard luck this year. And this was like, yes, all of it kind of coming home to roost in one game somehow, like coalescing. Um, and you you would say normally you'd be like, we've been lucky all year and now we have to pay the piper for this one terrible night. But instead it's like, hold on a second. We've already been paying. Like we've paid enough. Well, maybe, maybe this is the, the uh, maybe Losada after the first goal, like uh, had chanted his, his incantation and just made all of the bad luck suck from the rest of the games into this game. And hopefully we'll have good luck for the last couple of games and ride that. I will say, I will say, I'm absolutely sure we'll never see his uh, burgundy jacket again. Oh, it was so um, so good though. But he, he said with that he's, black and red hat, right? Yeah. And he said he's superstitious about clothing. We're probably never going to see that jacket again. Um, right. I myself, uh, I I know which black T-shirt I was wearing while sitting at home watching this game. Guess who's not wearing that T-shirt on game day ever again? Uh, <laughs> it's right yeah, here, so me. My thoughts were I took a scarf to both the Nashville and the New England game for the first time all year. And we didn't win those home games. Mm-hmm. So I'm not taking a scarf to the next home game I go to, <laughs> um, no matter what the weather is. Um, and I guess no more watching games on my phone, which is how I watched this <laughs> NYC game. That's which, uh, that's rough by it. That's a different kind of rough. Like you yeah. shouldn't do that just for your head. Yeah, I was I was exhausted on Saturday and like already in bed and I was trying to get the screen casting, the airplay mm-hmm. to work and it just wasn't. And uh nothing else was for for anybody <laughs> associated with DC United. Um as ben, Losada said, any... there's no room for analysis in this. Just yeah. don't try. Ben, do you have any any clothings or other options that you have to never do again? Um, I don't remember what shirt I was wearing during that game. Um, but maybe maybe a food item to not eat. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, that was the night of the. Um, well, maybe I can't go. Maybe I can't. It, this will be easy one. I can't go uh, pumpkin picking uh, again go. on game nope. days. Never uh, again. So, listeners, hold us accountable easy. to this. Yeah. Hold us accountable. Yes. If you if, see me at Audi Field with a scarf, if you hear Ben talking about going pumpkin picking this time next year on a game if you day, see, if you see me wearing us. a black t-shirt whose collar is a little worn out and a little loose, <laughs> um, because that's how you can tell which one it is, is the other ones are newer so, and that uh, one's Are older. you not trashing this shirt? Are you not taking it immediately to Goodwill? I mean, I could still wear it as like a night shirt well, or like- Adam, a, he can't let- he can't let anybody else in the DMV possibly get the bad juju that's on that shirt. I, I have actually given a bunch of uh, the over the years, the blackout T-shirts that were given out by the team and then would be met with a playoff disaster over and oh, over those again. Those were such bad luck. <laughs> so all of my blackout T-shirts have been given away. 
I, I don't own any of them anymore. Yep. Um, I think my dad has a couple of them, and I think uh, one of my friends from college has the rest of them, um, but has occasionally been like, I've seen him at something, and he's wearing the blackout shirt, and I'm like, ugh. Uh, the curse <laughs> shirt. Uh, it's it doesn't seem to be impacting his life, so I'm glad of that. He does not. That's good. The curse I, applied to me and the shirt, and when you take me out of the equation, everything appears okay. I don't know if I, if that was me, I'd probably be dipping my fingers in whatever beverage I had and like flicking them on him like holy water, <laughs> trying to absolve whatever wrong had happened. I think before we go further uh, <laughs> off the rails, we're going to call that a segment. We'll be right back to talk about the Atlantic Cup. Stick around; it's filibuster. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast DC United have no time to lick their wounds as they get back on the mixed metaphor horse and host their oldest rivals Wednesday night on Buzzard Point. Uh, now winless in four, United are going up against the Metro's group that are suddenly the hottest team in MLS. Oh joy. Unbeaten eight in eight, winning six of those. Um, the, the Red Bulls have gone from basically out of contention. I, I know I dismissed their chances on this very podcast not mm-hmm. that long ago to suddenly above the line in sixth place where United were at the beginning of this weekend. <laughs> right. Right. So, so long ago, uh, all yes. eight days ago. <laughs> yes. Um, I hate this timeline so much right now. Anyway, yeah. you can watch that game on Teleexitos in Espanol. You can stream it on dcunited.com or ESPN plus, depending on your location. One thing you cannot do is watch it on NBC sports, Washington or, uh, their overflow channel because they have decided not to carry this game. Um, again, oh, the good I old days. Right now. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that at least it's not to show two versions of the same game. And it's a pre that was a preseason game. Um, at least this is two other professional teams playing real games at the same time. Uh, it's the yeah. apps and the wizards both. Yeah. It sucks, but um, at least on this one, it's like, okay, like, I'm not surprised. Well, and yeah, for folks who don't remember, like this was one of the main reasons why DC United left Comcast Sportsnet slash NBCSW for Sinclair back in the day because they did this exact same thing all the time. And when they were going back, we were 
people like us, old timers like us, were like, oh, they're probably going to like drop games again. And lo and behold, here we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing I don't understand is NBC Sports Washington and WRC NBC4, they share operations. And NBC4 has several overflow or several dot two channels on their broadcast um, that show like literally bad TV from the 1970s. I don't understand why, or, or like a QVC clone you've never heard of. I mean, why can't that be preempted are really important. Adam, Adam, you're a law school graduate. You know, the, you know, the answer it's contracts. No, when you buy a syndication, you you're not obligated to, to show it. You're paying for the rights to show it. No, the contract for the DC United airing. I'm sure like they didn't, they didn't include that in. No, that's why they don't have to do it. It's not a reason for them not to do it. Like, contracts aren't precluding them from showing DC United on a a broadcast digital channel. They just choose not to. And DC United hasn't pushed them to agree to. Like, maybe that, I I hope that's something DC United looks at doing in the next agreement. I wonder if... Well, I wonder if would DC United rather be on charge or just be on, uh, which is the real name of some sub channels. Uh, I don't know are if they you gonna, all have them up there. Are they going to come after you if you don't yell the name charge? I mean, it has an exclamation point in the, the in the name. <laughs> Jason, you understand how the lightning round works. This is this is right. like yum brands, uh, which right, is exactly. obviously the most cursed named company uh, I think that I can think of. Uh, unless they want to sponsor this podcast, uh, Yum Brands, <laughs> filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. I'll seriously scream yum every single time if, if we have to. But I mean, it is a question I have. Like, would DC United rather be on charge or not be on TV? I don't know. Yeah. And WRC's um, overflow channels are Cozy, C O Z I TV, and LX which is supposed to stand for local exponential. And I guarantee nobody was going to know that because I, I have no idea what it is. And I'm yeah. a little bit of a nerd for these things. Anyway, uh, DC United hosting the Red Bulls. The Atlantic Cup is on the line. United have a win and a draw so far this year against the Metros. Um, I think the win was a one goal win. Is that right? Yep. So yeah, if, if United does any worse than a one goal loss in this, then the Atlantic cup is gone. Actually, I'm pretty sure the metros are holding the Atlantic cup. So anything, any loss means that United loses the Atlantic cup. And more importantly, this game is basically a must win for the playoffs. This is like, there's three games left and they need nine points to ensure a playoff spot. It it really feels like. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's before- two points out. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, and just before we we jump into the Red Bulls, if you want to watch Charge in DC, it's a sub channel of WJLA. <laughs> Is it nine point two or nine point three? What what are we talking here? About? I think it's I think it's dot two. Um, yeah, DC DC is now suddenly two point after after constantly having a team like tied with them or one point back. Somehow the magic the the musical chairs game has sorted itself out where DC is two points out. Um, this game more than the Columbus game is a must win. Um, if if you told me that DC can only have four points from those two games, this is the one you have to win um, because it's about denying the Red Bulls any points as well. Um, 
Yeah, if DC wins, they could walk out of, I mean, we could wake up on Thursday morning with DC back in sixth place and closer to comfortable uh, than we are right now. Um, But yeah, if they even draw this game, uh, it is very difficult to get in, especially when you look at, Adam, you already talked about how the Red Bulls are now the forum team in the league, effectively, um, give or take the Revs. Um, So they're on form. Atlanta has come alive. NYCFC is probably going to be better now that they've broken uh, whatever hoodoo was over them. Montreal, you can't count them out. Um, Orlando, Nashville, Philly, they're all a little too far ahead at this point. DC is probably not going to catch them. Almost mathematically, almost impossible for them to catch uh, Philly and Nashville. But Orlando also is a little too far gone because 96 minutes means apparently 98. Um, hey, if Philly loses out, DC United's in with a shout. There you go. I um, apologize yeah. for that rhyme. This this one is a playoff game. Um, there's no there's no real way around it. It's not a not a mystery, I think, to anyone. Um, that that's the way this is one. This one's going to go. It probably always was going to feel like this to a certain extent. Um, even if DC had gotten better results, it, the Red Bulls would have been very close to where DC if they had managed to beat Nashville, find a breakthrough in that game and get two more points. For example, this would still be two teams tied on the playoff line. Um, so it's been, it's always looked like a playoff game. Now it's just like coming into it down with like a one, nothing aggregate uh, deficit. Um, so yeah, they've got to find a way to do what they've done all year, which is win a home game against a team that isn't extravagantly talented, which is um, the teams that have come away with that have come to Audi field and not lost have been the best teams in the in the division. Uh, we're talking Orlando, Philly, Nashville, New England. Those are the teams that have managed to walk out of Audi Field without taking a loss. Um, so that's good news. The Red Bulls are not as talented as any of those teams. They are a step below. Uh, the bad news is that we're still talking about, you know, Steve Goff tweeted the injury update today, and the only players that might come back uh, for this game are, I believe, Ariola and Nahar, and it's still very much... Who knows? Um, so we might be getting the same stripped down, uh, shorthanded version of DC, and they're just going to have to find a way to win what I'm sure is going to be yet another demolition derby uh, with the Red Bulls, because that's what's gotten them back to life is they're pressing with more vigor than they were before and more uh, of a connection and understanding. That's been the key to their recovery as a team. So it's going to be two teams. One team is trying to press their way back into their best form. The other one already did that. So we should expect another battle uh, to say yeah. the least. It just, the stakes are so high. Yeah. I, I have many thoughts right now. Um, one of them, probably the, the saddest one is that DC United just don't have the legs right now to press their way back into contention just because of, the way the schedule stacks up and the way that the injuries have stacked up, most of which are not even on Losada. Like at this point, it's, I, I understand he had that reputation early in the year, but yeah, Burhalter and I don't even know who Peru's manager just, is. It's just international duty, right? Yeah. Like we don't even know if, if these are national team coaches doing reckless things in the name of tunnel vision, or if it's just, Literally playing three games in every international break I mean, is a stupid and unfeasible Greg, idea. It can be two things. It can be. Well, it might not be, is all, is all I'm saying. Well, and it Greg is Matata. 
Right. And Greg is metonymy for just the U.S. men's national team program as a whole. So. Right. Right. Which, which I mean, it would be better for us, I feel like, if they just went on hiatus for, yeah. for a couple of months. I would I would appreciate yeah. it. I'm still mad at the MLS schedule makers. Like we saw this. Sure. Coming. Oh, they haven't yeah. helped. No one's everyone has said, well, let's have more games on our side so we get ours. Um, yeah. And no one has been like, hold on a second. Like players are physical beings. They might break down if we make them play over and over forever. Um, and and the, arrow, back, the arrow the always points Cup. up. The arrow yeah, always the, points the, up and cares not about your The points up, which means it points forms. to why not have more World Cups? Why not have yeah. why not have a Gold Cup every year? Um, and the arrow and the arrow uh, points to and the arrow points to let's take a month off in the middle of our season for the League's Cup. No, but but also like why why not during this year's winter break? Why doesn't MLS institute some sort of uh, indoor MLS season and make the guys play in those games too? Um, and and uh, on their off days. On their off days, maybe they could start running uh, half marathons um, just to get the na- just to get the brand out there, just to get the league in half front of marathons. the cameras. Yeah, well, you got to get them on For ESPN too the as part of the the next broadcast deal. And they'll be they'll be wearing the uh, the Rob Lowe esque just uh, a hat that just says MLS on yes. it. Yes, uh, and and you know that would extend down to us where our podcast would become like um, uh, the Truman Show in which we would never, ever be off the air. We would always just be constantly recording yes. a podcast about the things that are constantly happening to DC United. I'm so tired, you guys. That's that's the 2023 MLS season coming soon to uh, your entire life, every second of it. I um, mean, Facebook is already getting us ready for it. They're, they're creating the metaverse, so we'll just be uh, broadcasting straight into your brains from the metaverse. My anxiety level right now is not pleasant. This I'm, is I'm the not... sing- this is how the singularity happens is is this is uh the need to fit more soccer matches into the schedule and no one ever backing down eventually has all of us merge into one collective being. I said it at the top of this segment. I hate this timeline so much. <laughs> like so much about it is just Oh, it's bad. Anyway, um it's not that often that you see a team that just does its thing but harder and manages to go from completely out of playoff contention to the the form team in the league. Um, is there more to what the Red Bulls are doing, or is it seriously just like something clicked and they they're suddenly good? Uh, I would say there is a there are some individual performances that have really helped. Uh, Christian Casarius has gone back to being like he spent the whole year being just a guy in MLS. He really hasn't been impressive. Um, and he's suddenly seeming to find his better form. They've allowed him to push higher into the attack. You know, you think of him as maybe a holding midfielder. Um, last year, it was often him and uh, Sean Davis alongside each other. Now he's been playing closer to the front three, almost kind of like the way Drew Skundrich plays at times. Um, and he's just been much better uh, given that that attacking element. I think he's got goals in each of the last two games. Um so that's been part of it. Uh, Sean Nealis scored the winner against Columbus, which pretty much ended Columbus's season. Um, and he's been kind of in and out at center back, but has kind of come in and, and solidified himself. And that's something they've needed all year is just someone to play center back well enough where they can lean on them for every game rather than it being a like, okay, this week it's Amro Tarek or this week it's Andres Reyes, who has also been starting to play a little better. Um, maybe because Nealis has come in alongside and brought that that solidity. Um, but yeah, some of it is getting some 
some important roles being filled by players playing more consistently. Um, Carlos Coronel, give give or take the weird moment he had uh, in that Columbus game, which I I happened to glance at, and he was just at midfield uh, near the touchline, and the ball was going out, and there was no explanation as to what he was doing there. They didn't they didn't end up paying for that. Um, he's been a little better because he had been kind of shaky all year. Um, so some of it is just guys up the spine of the team playing better and allowing the player next to them to improve a little bit. Um, it has still been kind of a mismatch of formations. They're still, they played a back three against Columbus. They played a back five uh, when they hosted NYCFC. Uh, they've had a four, two, three, one in there. So it's kind of a little bit of everything uh, formation wise, but I think most of it really is something clicked with their press and a few important in Nealis's case, it's just, you need a center back that's consistent. They hadn't had it all year. They're finally getting it. Uh, in Caceres's spot, it's more a high end player suddenly started playing like a high end player after all year, just being a guy on the roster. And often Caceres spent a big chunk of the season, not even starting um, because his form was not good enough. Um, but now he started to play up to his reputation and that means they suddenly have a pretty high-end uh, destroyer playing higher up the field, uh, all-action guy that can create goals as well as be super disruptive. So, you know, they've kind of, it is sort of a everything coming together at the right moment for them, which is a classic MLS move. It's a we- it's weird for the Red Bulls to do a classic MLS thing like this, but it is kind of what they're doing is uh, sudden, suddenly walking in and being like, oh, everyone's playing extremely well all at the same time. How about that? Um, it's Every year, pick somebody. the the wheel The wheel lands on someone. Usually, it's Bruce Arena's team, and if it's not them, it's the Sounders. Um, somehow, this year, it landed on the Red Bulls. So, even in this spell where they've they're unbeaten in eight, um, they came into that somehow like winning one out of ten, uh, and just completely flipped it on its head. But even in this run of of good form. They've only scored more than one goal twice. Uh, the first game of it, they scored four goals against Miami. And then this past weekend, they scored two goals against Columbus. Every other game in that spell, they they scored one and only one goal. Um, they did have five clean sheets in that time. So, you know, the way they're playing, one goal might be enough. But and I, I actually hesitate to bring that up after NYCFC had so many scoring troubles before mm-hmm. uh, Tiago Andrade found the net in the first minute, um, which by the way, you know, he scored against DC United, basically two goals in two minutes. Yeah. Uh, if you go back to the last yep. game against NYCFC, uh, not, not sure how many players have done that in league history. Anyway, um, the Red Bulls have not been scoring a ton of goals is my point or allowing a ton of goals. So this really could be the, the demolition derby and not in the good way that, that people might expect. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, um, it's, it's a, it's a weird moment to be playing the Red Bulls when they've suddenly started clicking. Um, Some of these games, this Columbus game was them on the road as well. Um, And it is, it does feel like DC has to find a way to sort of summon, summon something extra um, quite frankly right now, because we have good reason to anticipate that the, the it'll be the full strength that they can muster, but that's a long way from the full strength that they actually have. 
Um, we know Reyna and Flores won't be there, which means trying to solve a high pressing opponent with, um, you know, your less technical attacking players. Um, I don't, I don't really know what to recommend uh, to solve that because honestly, put they have Flores and Reyna and that's it. They're, those are the two guys they have like that and they're both unavailable. I think the answer is so, put put Roberta and Kamara in and just kick the ball up. Well, I was going to, well, and I was also going to say put Felipe in and have him kick everyone on the Red Bulls. Well, I, I will say Felipe lately has produced several pretty good scoring chances. Yeah. And I think you could make an argument that given given the team's lack of attacking sharpness, it might be worth risking having him in there, uh, his his passing game being a little more creative than Moreno or Canals, picking one of them to, to pull out and put Felipe in, in part because he will contribute more on the attacking side. Um, it put is Felipe kind of... In the, put Felipe in the Skundrich role. Play him, play him on the top, play him up high. It, it wouldn't be his first time up there. Um, yeah. But I think DC does have to start looking at, um, at least looking at unconventional solutions to this. Um, I think maybe the favorite is probably just Paredes coming in as a, in a higher role, um, which as Ben talked about, that means Mora at left wing back, which, you know, hasn't been perfect. Um, but it's also, what else can you do? You have to find somebody that is, a little more crafty to play higher up. It cannot just be DC attacks through uh, the occasional counter. And when they can get Gressel on the ball, they have to have all year. We've found this. They have to have that other element that, that serves yeah. to balance. That's the balance that allows Gressel better opportunities because teams don't, they can no longer cheat mm-hmm. to prevent that one thing. Um, it's not good to be a team that has one weird trick to score goals. It's better to have multiple things that you're doing. Um, and you know, the other side of that is they've got to find a way to press the Red Bulls into mistakes without giving things up at the back. Um, they have to be able to find a way to play around the Red Bulls pressure, possibly without Andy Nahar, um, which we've talked about so much. Everyone knows, you know, this team without Andy Nahar at the back struggles to build from back to midfield. Um, how do you solve that problem? It's not going to be solved by a different player playing there because all of the guys that can play there have played. Um, and, and in fact, some of them are unavailable. Fred Briant is out indefinitely with an ankle injury, um, according to, to Steve Goff's reporting today. So you don't have that option. That's one player you can't call on. Um, so it's it, it ultimately, I think this game is going to hinge on players performing. Um, the tactics are what they are. Um, the solutions for DC's side aren't going to probably aren't going to come. Like I said, you know, I think the Felipe thing is worth considering, but beyond that, there aren't too many other ways to, to put a better 11 on the field than we've been seeing. It's not that the team has not been able to put their best guys out there. They're tired, but these are probably the best players give it the best 12 or 13 players have been starting these games. Um, They've got to find a way to do a little better, um, defend the box a little better. The good news here is that the Red Bulls don't have a Carlos Hill. They don't have a Gustavo Bo. Uh, they don't have Adam Buxa. They don't have Hani Mukhtar. Um, they, this is the struggle for them this year is they've only got 37 goals. Um, they are not going to be as punishing. They don't have Tati Castellanos. They don't have Maxi Morales. 
we could go on like this. This is a team that is attacking wise limited on talent. Um, some of these goals they're scoring, uh, I believe, I believe it's two of their last three are set piece goals. The Nealis goal and Caceres against um, NYCFC are both set piece goals, um, which is both good news for DC in that the open play situation won't be as dangerous, but bad news because we just came off a game giving up a set piece goal and we're not too far removed from talking about multiple set piece goals being given up in a week. So that's the bad side. Um, so that there's just an execution thing that has to fall into place. And if you're, if you believe you're a playoff team and DC certainly believes they're a playoff team, you win this game because this is a, this is a playoff game. So this is kind of the, the ultimate test, right? Um, they're shorthanded, uh, but they're at home. They've won at home all season, even when they were shorthanded early in the year, even when they didn't really know how to attack in Lasada's system, they found ways to win. And maybe they have to get some of that back, that uh, that ability to grind the other team into dust and then capitalize somewhere in there on a scrappy goal. It It really does feel like, though, that the team that can grind the other into dust more is the one that's going to end up scraping out that one odd goal and win this game. Yeah, and t- and just as a preview for uh, what's coming up on the weekend, if we don't get us another episode, that's another playoff game. The crew are just barely behind DC United as well, so they're going to have to grind out two in a row. Because if they lose both of these, it, I don't think it's going to matter what they do to Toronto FC on the last no. Last yeah. day probably be, if they lose both, they'll probably be mathematically eliminated. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this, if, this if they Red lose Bull, both, they could be in 11th. Yeah. The, the, the Red Bulls game is, is a, like, if you lose this game, you're not making the playoffs. Um, yeah. Realistically, I just don't see enough of the other teams dropping points. They're, they're all rounding into form. Um, DC's gone. is the one team that has gone off the boil out of that whole group. Everyone else is in better form at the moment. Um, some of that is that those teams didn't have to play Nashville and the Revs. Um, some of that is that those teams didn't suddenly lose uh, all of their attacking players to international duty um, and injuries suffered therein. Um, but it's been, this season has been, it's always been the hard way for DC. Um, it's from the very start of the season. It has been the hard way of doing things. The, the reinforcements didn't come in. The team would constantly find bad luck early in the year. They've been able to come back from those or overcome those obstacles. Um, And this is a game that's it's the hard way. This is not going to be an easy game. And the one thing I will say is that I think the team has it in them to overcome that, but it's also we're in such a weird spot because we're coming off of this odd loss, this loss against NYCFC. That's not like any other game. We don't have a, an analog for that one at all this season. Um, How do they respond to that? You know, The response is all there is. You have to right. hope that they take it and they just come out on fire yep. against the Metros, knowing and, that a trophy is on the line, like a rivalry trophy, but a trophy. Right. And, and, and you know, if if there's not, I, I think motivation won't be a factor. I think that that part's going to be easy. Um, but it is a matter of like, can you bring the sharpness needed with the fatigue levels involved here? They're only getting, it's Saturday to Wednesday. So they're, in theory, it feels like, like the way the schedule has warped time, it does feel like, oh, this is the long, the long gap between right. games. Um, <laughs> but it's not. It's it's they got just one more day, which is adequate rest 
if you're playing one midweek game. But when they pile up like this, it's not enough time. Um, no one's getting enough time. Um, and unfortunately for DC, I think they're in a spot where if they have to rotate, uh, if it's a, this guy's at 70% and he's better, but this other guy is at 100% and he's not as good of a player. DC suffers more from that than the, I think the Red Bulls have kind of a sameness to their squad where yeah. rotating doesn't really impact them. There are a couple guys they can't rotate. They can't rotate Sean Davis or Casarius or Sean Nealis. There are some other guys though that it's not that important if they wrote if they start Tom Edwards or Kyle Duncan at right back, it's not that big of a deal. Um they're not losing too much in that exchange. Whereas if DC is like, wow, Julian Gressel is just running on fumes at this point, well, you know, who's gonna step in for Gressel and be like Gressel or almost Gressel? The answer is no one. They don't have another player like that. Um they're already dealing with the consequences of not having another player like Flores and Reyna uh, or Ariola. Um, Adrian Perez probably, I think probably has to start this game again to give us the closest thing to Ariola uh, yeah. with the guys that are left. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I really, I think we're going to learn a lot in the first 20 minutes of this game as to whether this is whether DC can bounce back in the appropriate manner and bring the normal home intensity um, but the intensity really is the thing that's going to carry them through. They aren't going to talent their way to a win over the Red Bulls. Um, they are going well, that's to what have Lassad to... has been saying all year yeah. with regards to every opponent is this team's going to work. They're going to, yes, they're going to grind. They're going to force errors. They're going it, to, but, but it sounds a lot like a Ben Olsen team in a way. Um, yeah. but it kind of, especially once you start taking players out of the, the best 11 on this team, it kind of gets into that mode. It's not the same tactical approach at all. But in terms of the mentality side, it really is a, you know, you're going to have to beat the Red Bulls who are known for fighting. You're going to have to go in and fight them harder than they fight you. Um, That really is what this one's going to boil down to. That and and the set-piece side of things where DC, I don't know if they have to score a set-piece goal, but they definitely cannot afford to give any up. Uh, This has to be a game where if the Red Bulls are going to score goals, it cannot be from set-pieces because those are freebies at this point. And that includes the recycled ones. If you get the ball half cleared, those guys are still there. Uh, They don't vanish and go back to their positions. They're still in the box. And if the ball's coming back in, the job is the same. Um, And DC has to be better in those phases. They will definitely have to be quicker in the transition phase as well. Like we talked about in the first segment, that first goal, um, having an attack that didn't, didn't end up amounting to anything what happens when the goalkeeper gets his hands on the ball or the defender thumps a clearance? How quickly can you get into your defensive shape? Um, if the Red Bulls get enough opportunities where they get into an, a good attacking posture before DC gets into a defensive posture, this game might go like the Revs game or, or some of these other, um, thinking of some of these other home games that didn't go that well, uh, where maybe they scrape an early goal and then park the bus. Um, because Struber is, I think still coaching for results. Like he's not so committed to high pressing that he's not above. He might not Oscar Pereja it. We might not see a right. like halftime sub to go to a back five, but if, if it's the 60th minute and they're sitting on a lead or even a zero zero, we might see them shift to that back five that they threw at NYCFC. We might see it from the start um, just because they're in the, they're in the driver's seat. Um, DC has to win this game, whereas the Red Bulls are probably fine if they don't lose it. 
Um, so that is, it really is, like I said before, it feels an awful lot like a two-legged playoff where you lost the first leg one nothing, but you are at home, but you have to win. There is no, there's no way to get back at level or force extra time if you don't win the game. You have to win it. So um, it really is, uh, we're getting the playoffs. We're getting it a little early, uh, it turns out. Yeah, Hernan Losada all week has been calling these every match is a final now, and this one feels like it more than than some of the others. Even um, we'll see if United can can do it. They can keep it alive and and keep going. This is this is what it's all come down to for them. So make sure you you get to Buzzard Point or or tune in on anything but NBC Sports Washington apparently, um, and and go and charge your way to uh, hopefully a DC United win. Thank you all for listening uh, to, to this week's episode. Um, no analysis, just vibes. Uh, find us at black and If you want to support us financially, do that at patreoncom slash filibuster. Follow us on Twitter at black and red U for the website at filibuster DCU for this podcast. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. That's that's one of the nicest things you can do for us, and we always appreciate hearing about word of mouth getting around. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Vermouth! Vermouth!